Good afternoon. It's time for another episode of Never Punt, comma, Never Parlay, a college football show that talks about betting and some lines. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. I have alongside me, as I will, this Tuesday through the end of college football season and beyond, Douglas Farmer. Douglas, how are you today? Parker, I'm doing pretty well because today there is no football. Tuesday, October 3rd, there is no football. But do you know what is different about today and the next 50 days of the year? Oh, I think I saw this tweet. It's something like we have a football game every day consecutively if you count the NFL and uh, and college. And while I don't watch much NFL, that's only two days a week. So we're saying five-sevenths of those 50 days, there's college football on. There's college football to enjoy. So there might not be any tonight, but I'm pretty good about that. And for that matter, we're going to get into one of those games for tomorrow night by the end of this show. Yeah, we are. I love a little weeknight football. I love a little weeknight football last week where uh, I went 3-0 and before Saturday and was just uh, was just absolutely chilling there. Uh, so that was that was kind of kind of nice. Um, and again, I do like some of these midweek games. I think it's a joke. You know, some people say like, oh, the sicko games or whatever. I think we're legitimately getting some good matchups now that Conference USA yeah. has started on the weeknight, too. There's there's some there's some low key kind of sneaky, really, really good Um uh, good games, but uh, Douglas, let's let's go ahead and let's let's dive into uh, to recapping last week and and looking at kind of some things that went down. Um, there's a game I want to start with, but I'm going to hold off because I think it's going to set us up later to to hit into our futures. But let's start off with Texas um, just beating the brakes off of Kansas. Absolute crockpotting game was I think one score toward a, towards the end of the third quarter, and Texas was just leaning on them, leaning on him, leaning on them, and then finally the dam broke. And uh, I, Texas really exposed Kansas's defense in that game. Are, are we looking at a Texas team that that uh, might might be back, Douglas? You keep dropping the four-letter word. We're on air. We try not to get the explicit rating. We're only two minutes into the show, and you're dropping the four-letter B word? Come on, Parker. Keep it PG. You're focusing on is Texas back, I and they, expo- uh, they exposed Kansas' defense. I think they also kind of exposed Kansas's offense. If you look at Kansas's season so far, when they're going against a decent pass defense, they're in trouble. The only decent pass defenses they faced – where Texas gave up 14 points. BYU, who's not even that good of a pass defense, and if you take out two defensive touchdowns, Kansas scored only 24 points. I'm starting to think we might know how to fade Kansas when they're facing a decent pass defense. Not necessarily applicable this weekend. Central Florida's pass defense by, by your EPA per pass against rankings is, is number 72. So it's kind of maybe Kansas, and I think Kansas is a two-point favorite. But I'm starting to look at that as, as yes, Texas might be the B word, but more so, we might know how to fade Kansas. Yeah, and certainly, they, they, you know, J- Jalen Daniels was out, but I, I'm honestly not inclined to believe that he was really going to be able to do very much more than what Kansas did on offense. Um, either, either way, they're, I mean, they're, they're third and like they, they, they lived and died on third and fourth downs against Illinois, against Nevada, against these really bad teams, and and then they just died on third downs against Texas. And I really don't believe that's that's so much as easy as hey, if we had a starting quarterback, this would have been different. They were they were outmatched the entire game, and this was a true crackpotting. I have a future on Kansas under six, getting a little sweaty with that win over BYU, uh, and, and still very much might be in doubt. But uh, seeing the cracks in the pass defense, seeing the kind of ceiling on the offense, especially if Daniels is hurt or, as is rumored, it might be sitting out some games, um, I, I, I think we, we kind of understand what, where where the ceiling is on this Kansas team. Um Looking uh, around the nation elsewhere, USC 48, Colorado 41. Uh, why does USC continue to refuse to play defense? 
I think my line all offseason was I'll believe in Notre Dame's receivers when I'll see them, and I'll believe in USC's defense when I see it. We're really coming to a point where those two are going to go head-to-head, and we're going to have to see one of them on October 14th, but I haven't seen either one. USC, you can't give up 41 points to Colorado. I know Colorado has some playmakers. It's not a 41-point conference play type of offense unless it's going against Stanford or Arizona State. So I do not understand how – Lincoln Riley keeps letting this happen. How Alex Grinch still has this plum gig, and there's no there's no sign of a reckoning coming. Uh, I'll believe in USC's defense when I see it, and if we don't see it October 14th, we're not going to see it this season. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very true. Um, some of that might have been the uh, the interest factor, Colorado with a late push there, but um, yeah, the defense just. I think started the season and thought, Hey, it's kind of bad because of San Jose state. And then maybe thought, Oh, maybe it's playing a little better and realizing that's related to quality of opponent. USC is who they are. They're a Lincoln Riley team. That's going to have an elite offense and it's going to score more than most of their opponents. And when the defense really needs to matter, it's, it's going to be on the losing end, which is um, yeah, just is what it is. Uh, other game. Okay. The game I want to get to enough about the power five, the game that I really want to get to not to, not to rub anybody's not. noses in anything, because this was an absolute disaster of a game. I watched it. It was hilarious. Louisiana tech 24 UTEP 10, um, you know, no, no starting quarterback for either team here. Both of these teams are really, really bad. I think UTEP might be cataclysmically bad. Um, I think they might be an, an absolute, um, disaster there, but getting Louisiana Tech at plus money just felt too good to be true. They really helped it out. You didn't have to sweat this one at all if you were on Louisiana Tech because they had a, a big play touchdown early and then a, a special teams uh, or maybe defensive touchdown uh, right there at the beginning too. Um, and, uh, and and really that just put it away. There's no way UTEP's coming back from a 14-point deficit with that offense right now. Um, so, Douglas, I do believe that brings us even on beer bets uh, pending the result of the Louisiana Tech and UTEP final standings. We doubled down, correct? I do not believe we doubled down. We simply acknowledged this was the only data point that would eventually matter. I mean, UTEP We're right now, check the tape. At, best, okay. <laughs> at best, is going to go four and eight. They've got three Wednesday games coming up, not tomorrow, but then the three following Wednesdays at Florida International, the New Mexico State, at Sam Houston State. You have to win those three to even get to four wins for UTEP. And I'm saying at best, they're going four and eight. So, yeah, like I'm not giving you the beer yet. But if I'm saying at best UTEP is four and eight with one of those words against FCS level incarnate incarnate word, then I'm expecting to owe you this beer. I am not. You know, I'm I'm telling myself this helped our show record. You put Louisiana Tech on the record. You getting that helped the show, and maybe I can still find my way to uh, to. I, they're not going to beat Louisiana Tech in the standings. They're not. They're not going to. Um, and I will say that Louisiana Tech finished much worse than I thought they were in the in the <laughs> they will finish much worse than I, I, I thought they would have in the standings as well. Rough seasons for both of them. Um, another one that was interesting, you had a play on App State, and I was just absolutely shocked by the result of this game. 41-40. Extremely in doubt. Uh the, the outcome of this game was extremely in doubt for App State. They didn't show up. If you remember Saturday afternoon, I texted you uh, quite morosely. I'm going to go 0-3 again, Parker. Actually, just fire me now. And for a moment, you pretended like you were going to. And I understood. If I'm going to go 0-3 in back-to-back weeks, and part of that was, like, App State, sure, don't win by two touchdowns. Like, But they didn't even show up. They needed a last-second field goal to beat the – it 
it was, uh, I'm going to go with frustrating uh, from the gambling perspective. And it has me doubting Appalachian State. I believe we both have them at seven to one, I think it is, to win the conference. And if you're not even going to show up on a week in a conference game against the Woolful Monroe team, I'm just not real sure how I want to feel about you moving forward. I'm going to avoid them for a week or two and try to reevaluate. Yeah, your hope is just they just weren't motivated for it and, and just kind of laid an egg and they're going to get right. But man, it's it's rough. Like you you should be able to sleepwalk and beat Louisiana Monroe convincingly if you are who we think you are. Um, another game, uh, they might not be. Another game that is uh, quite interesting to me uh, because this one moved and had me terrified that I had missed something. Because I believe this was, at, at one point, this was um, BYU is like Jump a three-point favorite. And it jumped zero out to Cincinnati plus three. And I think I got it back at one BYU plus one and a half. And um, man, I, it, it worked out, but uh, it was, it was certainly in doubt. BYU needed an Emory Jones pick six really to kind of be the decisive factor. there. Uh, uh two, two teams. I think that in the big 12 are, are certainly in that bottom quadrant. Um, not, not very good either, either way, pretty, pretty erratic both sides, but the elevation does, does win out there um, in, in that Friday night game as well. And it was a situation where, like you said, that that interception return for a touchdown gets you uh, gets BYU off to a seven zero lead. But then they even needed a fifteen yard short field to get the game winning touchdown to go up thirty five twenty. In the box score, you get outgained by four by two hundred yards. The old the old Parker Fleming. Did we really get beat that bad? No, Cincinnati. You did not get beat that bad. You frankly shouldn't have been beaten. It it was one where I never quite figured out why the line jumped zero. I think it was three to three, and then back to one. Uh, we worried there might be a Keaton Slovis injury. That certainly wasn't the case. Never quite nailed that down. But, yeah, you look there, the furthest team to the left, Cincinnati, yay, yay. of the losing teams last week, you did the best. Congratulations. That doesn't count in the win column. Yeah, you know, a whole lot of good that does. But predictively, it does help us kind of understand BYU. I'm a little bit low on them. Um, and I think that uh, it's it's reasonably a little, a little bit low on them because between this and the Arkansas game, they've won two games. They really have no business winning. Um, largely due to kind of nonsense on the other side of the ball there. So definitely a, um, yeah, definitely a very weird uh, game that Friday night, but the last of mine, I think that I had a play on um, and, uh, and, and it cast. So I felt good about it regardless, felt good about the process, even though the line moved and uh, was not a coward, did not hedge out, did not bet Cincinnati, even though I thought about it for a little bit. So feel good about that. I never um, thought about it. Yeah. I was, I was, I was with you on BYU, and I stuck with it. The altitude, whether that was the determining factor or not, my notes were always fade Cincinnati, and now it's just going to be fade Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston, three of the four newcomers in the Big Twelve. Fade them week over week until we find some bounce from any of them. Yeah, well, sp- speaking of fading newcomers, did you see the UCF uh, down? You know, up up thirty points in the second half and just can't. I mean, just completely squanders all of it. Can't can't hold off a, a lifeless zombie Baylor team. Uh, was was one of the more shocking results, especially because at halftime it looked like Baylor was going to continue to be who they are. Um, I'd be interested if if Baylor. I think Baylor right now is a pick at some places. If Baylor got to. I think they started out as a favorite at Circa. I know for sure minus two. And uh, if you got, yeah, if you got, um, if you got Baylor in a couple points at home against Texas Tech after that win, I'd be interested. I don't think the line's right right now, but it's worth something to keep an eye on later here because that is the stuff that dreams are made of. And Texas Tech certainly isn't great. Baylor with a little bit of juice could absolutely could absolutely pull that off there. Um, yeah, what do we see? Here's what do we Jacob see with Baylor here? What do we see there? Yeah, we're still right uh, on there. 
So, so at one, yeah, I don't love that there. I need, I need a couple points. So I don't know if you're going to get it because uh, maybe market's thinking like I am. I, the numbers I had have Texas Tech by five here, but I really think that um, that that Baylor's in an interesting spot, especially if you can get a couple points. Um, Douglas, let's check in on a couple futures as we do every That's week. Not, no. No, um, I don't. The future on the sheet. I don't want it. It's dead on arrival. It, it's not dead on arrival, but LSU to win the West. I have that at plus two fifteen. It feels awfully dead on arrival. You can't give up fifty five points to Mississippi and expect to contend in the conference. You can't lead by nine with eight minutes to go and give up two touchdowns. Remember Brian Kelly in the off season, the preseason, mid early August, who was concerned about his defense. I see why they gave up seven. 100 yards in one football game parker one football game you're not supposed to do that yeah not it's not what you want uh additionally it is never good to be um back a game and not have played alabama yet um in in terms of the uh uh, the SEC West race. So that's never a position that you want to be in. Yeah, really really rough game from them. Can I just point out that Jaden Daniels is terrible under pressure. I don't know how many more times I can say this, but like it is just evident that if you pressure him, he's he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to be able to create. Even as he's able to scramble on some of those, he's going to give up so much to create those scrambles that, man, I'm just starting to wonder if it's not worth it. Um, you need, I, I think you that- You need to get a legal pad and write on the back of it yeah. a sign that isn't Jalen Daniels terrible against pressure and just hold just that or, or mount it on the wall over your shoulder there. Because you're right, you say this often, but not often enough yet, because it's not known enough yet. Yeah, it's it, it, and I was surprised that Ole Miss dropped instead of like they only rushed two, and it, it worked out for him, whatever. But uh, man, they got they gave LSU a shot there, and I wouldn't have, I would have pressured him the entire way. Um, yeah, o Ole Miss with a pretty crazy bounce back situation there. Um, you know, the the week after playing Alabama for most teams does not go very well. And and to come back and to win after being down that late and to show that, one, uh, some impressive resilience out of Lane Kiffin's squad, potentially some information that playing Alabama is not what it used to be. Um, and so that's that's something I had flagged here is a little general equilibrium that maybe this LSU collapse and this Mississippi kind of steadfastness is a testament to the week after Alabama might not be such a gimme anymore. Well, Parker, as we as we go into discussing the week coming, we should start with Alabama. But even before that, let's call out, folks, if you have games you want to discuss, if you have any best bets, if you want to tell Parker he's handsome, jump in the comments. Let us know. If you want Parker to, to sing to us, I heard he told me that if 10 people get in the comments and ask him specifically to sing, he still won't do it. But, hey, we can try to peer pressure him. Uh, we go into this coming week, and we should – maybe start with Alabama because if we just got that little bit of a data point and now they're going against going to Texas A&M, I believe I saw one Parker Fleming is considering Texas A&M should be favored. Yeah, I have Texas A&M um, outright, which terrifies me. This is the first time that all of my picking that I have ever had Alabama as an outright loss, um, not just against the spread, but, uh, but outright here uh, makes me extremely nervous. Don't love it at all. But I kind of understand it. Uh, when I look at this here, one, I, you, you've got to account for um, the fact that uh, Alabama does have some pretty bad uh, 
pretty bad stats in there from a USF game where they very clearly were doing something weird. Uh, they were they were trying to prove a point or something, something that did not involve the business of playing the best football that you could. But even accounting for that, I have Alabama at 26th in EPA per play margin, Texas A&M at 13th. The difference here is the offenses. Alabama, 89th on early downs EPA, and they're 36th on third and fourth down success. That means they're getting into those third and fourth or third and short situations where Milrow can kind of save them. But AM's 12th and early downs EPA and second and third and fourth down success. That to me says that one, the probability of getting into third and Melrose much longer or much higher for Alabama. And they're going to be able to capitalize against uh, against a, a quarterback who's shown that he could be erratic if, if you know, if, if they really can pin their ears and come back. So I think Alabama's offense, especially on third downs, is really, really what's going to matter here. Can Alabama extend the drives? This is going to be Haymakers, uh, punch after punch, Alabama, not super great. They're in the seventies at finishing drives and points per echo. Um, and so will, will they be able to make the most of opportunities that they get? Cause those opportunities are going to be limited. You very nearly talked me into an A&M bet there. I'm going to hold off effectively because I still have that LSU future. That LSU future is somewhat contingent on Alabama losing. So I already have some interest in this game. I don't need to jump in, uh, I'm not about to doubt. I believe the quote is the most underrated coach in America. I'm not about to put money behind doubting him this week. I am not either. If we talk a little bit about futures there in, uh, I think producer Jacob put in the, uh, in the sheet or in the comments, our sheet to our uh, futures tracking. I still have Alabama to win the conference. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I, I do think that's true. I'm not going to put money against them losing this game, but I do understand the spot and I do understand them going to college station, especially with their road woes. Um, what game do you want to hit next uh, for, again, these are big well, games. We've got some picks coming here in a minute. There's, there's a huge game this weekend. That is the last of its kind. Uh, I'm sure they'll play again in the future, but it will lose this big 12 flavor, Oklahoma, Texas, the red river rivalry, Texas is favored by six over under 60 and a half. It's, it's the noon game. It's, it's everything we like about red river. And I'm going to tell you right now, as much as people are going to talk about the offenses, this totals at 60. For me, this is all about the defenses. Oklahoma's defense has been playing pretty well. What world do we live in? Texas defense looks real good. We saw it shut down Kansas's passing game and it all going to come down to the defenses. For me, it's can Texas finish its drives. It has struggled with that against Alabama. It struggled with that against Kansas. It needs to finish its quality drives. Oklahoma might not be as top-tier talented as Texas, but if you're not going to finish your quality drives, Dylan Gabriel will find a way to make it up later. Yeah, I, I, I think that's totally true. Uh, one thing that, I, that I'm interested in from this is, is there is a little bit – of uh, nervousness, nervousness for me from Oklahoma's defense. On the numbers, they have been good, and even when you account for opponent, but you start to look at some of these teams, man, and just I, I, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Iowa State. I, I twenty points to Iowa State. They gave up multiple full field touchdowns to Iowa State. That should be deeply embarrassing. I noticed. Um, I, I noticed. Remember, yeah. that was one of the games I thought I was losing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's um, that that that's something that I think that opponent adjustments are not capturing enough. That that Oklahoma is a little overrated here. Um, I have Texas to to cover it at uh, seven, uh, and so I was toying with like a six and a half. I, I don't know where you can get that immediately, you know, live, live right here. But uh, I, I rivalry game with my number right in the line. Not not a lot of love for me there. Um, one thing that I think will will certainly not stand. 
um, is that it is Texas has been really, really bad with those with those scoring opportunities. 89th. Oklahoma's defense has been third. That's certainly inflated by uh, some some poor opponents there. So it can uh, be inflated, it, but it's still that quality. Absolutely. I think that'll matter. And it's important to say out loud, Texas beat Alabama by double digits and t- in Tuscaloosa and left points on the board, left points on the board. And so if they can get some of that right, if they can pull some of those in, Jatavion Sanders, I believe is healthy and should play. Um, I could see a world where Texas absolutely can finish those drives at a higher clip than, than we've seen. And we've seen that Oklahoma's number is a little bit inflated there. That's one that I will certainly love uh, to watch, even if I even if I don't end up finding the right price and uh, and making a play there, I, I think you can get minus six currently. I'd be more interested in that than uh, than a seven and a half that I think I saw on one of my earlier shows. Um, I just another. Wanna, oh, I want to reiterate. Please. I want to reiterate the the warrior with Texas. Their first two, maybe not two of their first three quality drives against Kansas, they had first and goal on the eight yard line, and both of those. They kicked field goals. That's the kind of concern. You can't do that again. You can do that with Kansas, but you can't do that against Oklahoma. It's not just that the left points on the field against Alabama. It's that the shows the points on the field against Kansas. It's that much of concern for me. That is what I'm looking for. I want to just reiterate. You're right. They left points on the field against Alabama, still won by double digits. They can be that good. They also, they left points on the field against Kansas repeatedly on first and goal to go. And to what extent are they, you know, knowing that they had, they weren't great against that against Alabama and they don't need to go super deep in their bag to create things against teams. They're absolutely going to be Wyoming, Baylor, uh, Kansas. And so maybe, maybe they're saving something for this Oklahoma game. I think that's certainly on the table, um, for, for a possibility as well, but that will be the decisive factor. I think if we look back at this and Texas lost, we will see their points per quality possession being extremely low and realize they squandered opportunities. Not that they didn't create them, but that they squandered. One more. We've got a Pac-12 matchup. Um, a, yep. All you, all you, take us there. I was going to toss it to you, so I like it. Uh, I'm laughing at this game because it's arguably the third biggest game this weekend, if not the second biggest game this weekend. Rankings don't matter. Washington State at UCLA is that big of a game, and it's on the Pac-12 network. So nice job, everybody. This is why the conference died. I wish it had lived, but this is why it died. Uh, it's the uh, 3 o'clock Eastern on Pac-12 Networks. That'll be a new local kick out at the Rose Bowl. Washington State, I am tailing the, the Cougars here. Not officially, not a big play, but I anybody who beats up Oregon State like they did, I'm going to back for a little bit. Oregon State impressed me on Friday the way they handled Utah. I know Utah's offense is limited, but Utah is still that physical of a team. And Oregon State kind of took it to Utah in that respect. I'm uh, going to like Washington State here. I'm going to really, really try to figure out a maybe legal, maybe not way. We'll find out later to watch this game because it is, you know, I have an idea. I have an idea. There's a new circus sports book open in Illinois. I bet they have the Pac-12 network. Oh, they have to. They absolutely have to. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a perfect. Uh, a perfect. I don't know how. There. Um. The. Uh, yeah. This. This one's. This one's kind of interesting to me. It. It does feel like Washington State has kind of taken the role that I thought UCLA would play this year. But I do expect UCLA to get better over the course of the season. Um. That. I mean, young quarterback on the road at Utah. I'm really not going to penalize them too much for that. But. Uh. That defense is a little bit worrisome. There. Um. I, I'm really, really interesting. Uh, really, excuse me, really, really interested to see if uh, every week it feels like is Washington State real and, and it doesn't feel like they're real and then they continue to win. So uh, I'm really into them. 
Um, and, and I would love to see them be real, but of course, you know that I love UCLA and I love Carson Seal and, uh, and do trust that run game pretty, pretty heavily. Although Washington State put up a pretty feisty run defensive performance against Oregon State a couple of weeks ago. So a fun, big matchup there. Uh, Douglas, before we get into our picks and get into our um, plays this week, we'll mention we are part of uh, the Hammer and Hit the Books HQ. Make sure you like, subscribe to that. Hammer Content Network is huge. Tons of smart people all over different sports. Um, producer Jacob's on a couple shows. Producer Zach, who is in Vegas with us, is on a couple of shows all over the place. So make sure you like, subscribe, go find all of that stuff on the Hammer. And um, make sure, you know, if you're here, comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts on plays, what, what games you think are um, interesting, what games you think are, are stay away. Uh, lo love to have that in the comments, and we'll certainly try to see those and interact with those as we can um, uh, as, as we can see them and get them. But uh, that being said, Douglas, let's let's get into some plays. Again, this week, we've got three on each side. We went four and two last week, four and two. That's profitable. That's what we're going for. I'm happy with that. Um, what do we have for this week? We're going to start with you because one of our four wins last week was kind of a sham of a outright win, kind of a sham of an overtime cover. Jacksonville State goes down to Sam Houston State. Jacksonville State gave up 21 points to maybe the worst offense in the country in fewer than 13 minutes. Jacksonville State gave up a 56-yard touchdown pass, a 22-yard touchdown pass to maybe the least explosive offense in the country. Needed a 58-second, eight-point drive to tie the game to go to overtime and get you a cover. Helps your helps your futures play. You have Jacksonville State over four and a half wins at plus money. They're now four and one. And it looks to me like you're trying to double down and get that fifth victory as well as a spread cover this weekend. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm I'm absolutely appalled you called it a sham cover because it, let me paint you another narrative. In the first half, Sam Houston State saw something with Jacksonville State's linebackers and coverage and put them in a position they were not ready for, a look they had not shown all season. Second half completely shut it down. And then when the moment came to it, Jacksonville State didn't think about it, just rich rotted the hell out of it and went down and won the game where it counted. So I'm going to count that one as not a uh, not an absurd, but not a ridiculous one. I think that was Jacksonville State took Sam Houston State's best punch and still came out victorious, still got the cover there. I'm going to ride with them again. I don't understand this. I legitimately, I'm trying, I never, I try to not be coy and be like, what are they, what are they Vegas thinking or whatever? How are we having, how do we have Middle Tennessee State favored in any way, shape, or form? Um, that's, that's, that's just shocking to me. This is an offense that just absolutely cannot move the ball. I think they're entirely getting overrated for a Missouri performance that we saw was very clearly Missouri, one, making some bad and conservative fourth down decisions, and two, uh, just kind of mailing in before the Kansas State game. I have Jacksonville State uh, outright favored by multiple points in this game. Uh, there, uh, when, when I look at a game like this, two teams that are at the lower end of college football, 77th in EPA per play margin for Jacksonville State, 113th in EPA per play margin for Middle Tennessee State. Um, I look, can anyone on this on this field do something excellent? Jacksonville State's defense is 25th in EPA per play right now. They're 36th against the rush and 58th against the pass. They have not been able um, to, uh, or they, they have been able on defense, excuse me, to really, really stop opponents from having to um, move the ball at all. They were having technical difficulties. The screen is completely black. I'm going to keep going and see what happens here. Um, but uh, yeah, so with, with Jacksonville and State, I, I think you. that the, 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 the difference for me here is just 
And now I can no longer hear or see Parker. So Jacob, give uh, me a the, thumbs up somewhere and I'll keep talking. There's Parker. Parker, are you here? I'm here. I just did an entire Jacksonville State monologue because I wasn't sure if it was me that dropped or if you that dropped. We so heard, I where think we, we heard about two thirds of it. I think I heard about two thirds of it. So just pick up your last sentence. Yeah, basically just Jacksonville State um, has does does one thing well um, and really, really kind of stops, you know, opponents from doing good things uh, at all. Whereas Middle Tennessee State's bad on both sides of the ball. Big kicker for me, Middle Tennessee State's been awful on early downs, 117th in EPA per play, but they've been 70th in third and fourth down success. They've really lived and died on third downs. Jacksonville, or Jacksonville State's defense, sixth in third and fourth down success rate allowed. They're going to shut that down. They're going to shorten Middle Tennessee State's drives. I like them. As uh, getting points is, is is just absolutely lovely to me. Uh, I would take them out right here too. We have somebody, Howdy. Well, like, wonderful username. Howdy was about to ask you that, Parker. Is would you go with the money line here? Uh, personally, I would take the three and a half and then throw maybe forty percent of a unit just to, on the money line, protect myself a little bit. But you're giving a hard, vigorous nod. Uh, no, I, yeah, I'm just, I was nodding with kind of what you're saying. Like I, I really, I really would just take the points because the risk is, is just so much better there. But then, yeah, if you wanted to toss it, toss a little bit there with, with 150 is, is decent. I mean, if it was a little higher, I'd be more excited about that. But generally, you know, you, you three, three, three and a half feels pretty good um, for what we've got this, uh, this, this week. So that I totally agree with that, uh, Douglas. Your first play this week is, um, uh, uh, a sort of a well. sicko game, but not in the same not in the same way as a Jacksonville State cover. Uh, what do you got for your first play? Uh, I'm going to back somebody who burned me last week. Um, they burned me in a way that I was surprised by. Because if anybody in the world needs a front door cover more than Brian Ferentz, I don't know who it would be. And he had an opportunity to go get some points on there, help his contract status. And Brian Ferentz turned that down, costing me a cover against Michigan State. Uh, and I'm going to go back Iowa again. Whether this is a, a psyop or not, the drive to 325, when I'm getting Iowa as low as neg two and a half at neg 110, Caesars, MGM, DraftKings, and I'm sticking with the two and a half number here. I'm not going to grab the juiced one and a half at FanDuel. I checked the math. I reached out to somebody smarter than I am, had him check the math. You want the two and a half at neg 110 in this instance. It is better value. And this is why we shop. You hear me say it. The easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We use an odds comparison tool like BetStamp. BetStamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, player props. Make money, make life easier and scan that QR code. I always get confused pointing at the camera. Scan that QR code and you'll get brought to a page of signups to these sports books. So that's why we make sure to specifically mention which sports book these odds are available at to make it quicker for you to go get them. Hit betstamp.app slash hit the books. Should be in the show description, should be in the links, the comments, everywhere I can think of. This is why we use it because that neg one and a half at a neg 120 juice is less expected value than neg two and a half at a neg 110 juice. And I'm taking this largely because the world overreacted to Cade McNamara's injury. We overreacted to an Iowa quarterback injury. Circa opened this line at neg four and moved it. It got moved to two and a half or even one and a half because Iowa continues to struggle and its offense is that bad. Losing Cade McNamara doesn't matter. He's completed half his passes this year at 5.6 yards per pass attempt. The Iowa quarterback doesn't matter. So I'm going to get them across a key number at home. I'm going to buy on that bad news and just take that value. 
I like it. I think that's a very smart kind of market reaction. I don't want to bet on Iowa anymore, but I understand why you would in this situation. Um, and I understand why you would certainly bet against a, a Purdue team that I don't think has been very good against quality competition this year. I'm going to have a real interesting afternoon there where I'm trying to watch Washington State at UCLA at 3 Eastern at Pac-12 Network while also trying to watch Iowa-Purdue at 3.30 on Peacock, the world's greatest streaming app, obviously. I mean, it's got it's got the new John Wicks. Of course I'm going to praise Peacock here. That's how I'm going to spend Friday night. I don't know how I'm going to find anywhere in the world that offers me both Peacock and the Pac-12 Network at the same time. Uh, might need your, yeah, might need your uh, phone on that or something to pull up there. Just want to point out, Peacock is not giving me a dime. That was entirely a Douglas recommendation. I'm Peacock agnostic give about me a dime either. Let's be I'm agnostic about the new John Wick movie. <laughs> that doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, my second play, Douglas, is one that I don't know. I see this on the sheet and I think, my God, what have I done? Um, but I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to frame this more as betting against Illinois than betting yes. on Nebraska. Yes. Um and that's how I'm going to stomach this. Uh, again, I think we've got the wrong team favored here. Illinois is a 3-point home uh favorite against Nebraska. Um and they have just been a much worse team than Nebraska. I think uh Nebraska currently is um the oh, it's three and a half now. Perfect. Even better. Even better. Um, and I think what I've got from Nebraska here is that they have have been okay except for the mistakes. And I know that's a crazy thing to say, but Illinois has been a team that, that really isn't going to capitalize on those mistakes like they did last year. I think Luke Altmeyer, like I've talked about before, is a robot. He's a robot in the sense that he can do if then really, really well. But if the game breaks open, he's kind of lost. 63rd in EPA per play on defense, Nebraska is, but they're 18th against the rush. Um, Illinois tries to be a little bit balanced. They're right there kind of in the middle and rush rate over expected. Nebraska is super rush heavy. Illinois' defense this season, 84th in EPA per rush, 117th in rushing success rate allowed. I am going to believe in Nebraska to uh, to to play a little bit more consistently, a little bit more rush heavy, uh, really kind of speed this game up in the sense of the clock is going to be moving and not commit too many mistakes. I think they can overpower a, an Illinois defense that is just a shell of what it was last year. Um, and maybe against my better judgment, I'm going to ride with Nebraska here. I, I've got a good feeling about this game. My numbers back it up. And I think that they're due to pull one of these out. So let's go with Nebraska three and a half here. I think it was minus 109. I very much agree with you. Uh, fade Illinois, in my opinion, is a tried and true strategy already. I'm fading Purdue with that Iowa pick, but the one team I wouldn't fade Purdue against was I was Illinois, and that worked out to my favor. I did want to ask you, Parker, and usually if I'm going to ask you a, a question about your numbers, I warn you ahead of time. I didn't warn you on this one. Your numbers, how much preseason priors are still in them? Uh, we're what week six after this week, it'll be basically zero. Um, I try to do it once, once everybody's played six games, I'm pretty comfortable saying like, I know who you are, but I will say things like talent and recent history, never, never go away. Those are going to be in it for forever. So, um, the preseason prior in terms of like, Hey, I predict this is kind of what you'll look like. That number gets faded out as I get new data at the play level. But then, uh, and I do some regularization early season to kind of account for crazy results. But about week six, I'll, I'll say, look, I'm just going to go with, you know, talent matters, recent history matters, coaching matters, but those preseason priors are kind of faded out. 
So the the recent history and some of your preseason priors still have a little bit of that leftover faith in Illinois' pass defense based on last year and not realizing it would drop off as much as it has. That included, you still have their EPA per pass against at number 78 in the country. That shows just this, the floor on this defense. It's not going to be like bottom 20 in the country. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not sure we found the floor on this defense as a whole. That's not as applicable against Nebraska because, like you said, they run the ball almost exclusively. But they might hit them once or twice there because Illinois is prone to that mistake now on the back end. Yeah, um, I, I really think they are. Obviously, you know, defense is a weak league system, right? And Illinois lost uh, a couple really, really strong uh, links there and really kind of exposed the second class of that defense. Obviously, with Ryan Walters gone too, then adjustments become much harder as well. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for, for Nebraska here to take advantage of this Illinois defense, and that's why I'm riding with them. And now we're going to go to one of my plays, and I, I forgot to write down some notes. I just pulled them up on my phone because I came across this this morning. I am going against my usual moves, and I'm playing a total. I'm going against my usual moves, and I'm playing a Notre Dame game on the show here because I spend enough time thinking about that. I just kind of an oasis. But this Notre Dame-Louisville total is too high because Louisville's offense is not as good as it has shown. I am going to say this until I'm blue in the face. I'm going to pat myself on the back Sunday morning. Under 54 and a half, Notre Dame, Louisville. I believe that's available at neg 110, pretty widely across the board, but especially at BetMGM. Getting that under 54 and a half, Louisville's offense is entirely explosive play dependent. They have just lived and died by that this season, exploiting teams like Boston College, who has the worst EPA pass defense in the country, exploiting teams like Indiana, who's bottom 50, exploiting teams like Georgia Tech, who's bottom five EPA pass defense in the country. They live and die by these explosive plays. Notre Dame doesn't give them up. Ohio State, before its game-winning 65-yard uh, drive in the last few plays, had three explosive plays on the entire day, and only one of those reached the end zone. Notre Dame's defense is experienced and assignment disciplined, and that's going to keep Louisville's explosive play dependent offense in check. At that point, I'm going to love this under 54-and-a-half. If you get it at 54, so be it. It's too high. Players like Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and Travion Henderson managed one explosive play each before that last-minute drive by Ohio State when it was desperate. If they can manage only one explosive play each, Louisville doesn't have the players to do it. Notre Dame's second-best cornerback is 4 of 16 when he's thrown against this season. That's a 25% completion rate, obviously. Louisville's not going to be able to do it against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's offense right now has some sustainability issues while it's out of players. It's out of receivers, liter almost literally. That combined with, I, I'm so low on this Louisville offense. Give me the under 54 and a half. I have this uh, at about 52. So I think that makes a ton of sense there. I'm still kind of holding on a little bit of hope that Louisville is on a learning curve with new with new new coach and, and maybe getting better. But I agree there are some certain holes there. Um, and I, I don't think they're um, receivers as much as I love thrash. I don't think they're receivers for anything like Ohio State. I don't think that's a, a, an unfair comparison. One thing that's important to point out, this game doesn't really matter for the ACC championship. Um, Louisville just has to beat one of Duke and Miami and they're good. Um, yes, they have to beat one of Duke and Miami. And if you offered me a parlay right now, this show may be called never punt, never parlay, but I would take that future consideration parlay on Louisville losing both of those. I think Louisville's going to lose three of its next four games. I think that's extremely possible. They have gotten by, um, on 
they, they've gotten by. They've skated by and they've underwhelmed. And I'm, I'm totally there with you. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we were talking about a flyer on Louisville to win the ACC just because they didn't play Florida State and Clemson. And it's kind of worked out pretty decently here. Um, yeah, I have a, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm checking the sheet to make sure that I'm not crazy. I have an ACC flyer for, for Louisville here. It's, it's not insane. You've got to beat one of Duke and Miami and then just not lose the games you shouldn't lose. Now, they're probably going to lose some games they shouldn't lose. But I think what you're going into for Notre Dame here is like, let's just not get hurt. Um, let's let's just not let's just not screw anything up here. So an under makes a ton of sense, uh, especially because you basically got two weeks to try to get to uh, get to Duke there. Um, yeah, very, very fun. Very fun about that future. I just, just kind of remember that in real time. We do have Wesley jumping into the comments to say Notre Dame's receivers are coming back this game. They're expected back. Uh, Marcus Freeman, like every football coach in the country, is publicly optimistic about injuries. I would expect Jaden Thomas back. I'm a little less confident in Jaden Greathouse coming back. But even with them, Notre Dame has five available receivers with them. Five is you want at least eight on a Saturday. When you have five receivers, including the two guys who are hopefully coming back this weekend, you just don't have enough players to get by. That shortens the game. Notre Dame very clearly shortened the game last week, punching twice from plus territory, foregoing a last-minute drive in the first half. Those kinds of things, shortening the game that way, protect your receivers and help this under. You there, Parker? You got one more. I think us, I'm right? here. I think my Wi-Fi is completely out. I switched to my phone. So hopefully it'll at least get me through the rest of the show. I have no idea what's happening. I have one more, uh, one more play here and we'll, and we'll get us through. Um, no, the world's not talking enough about Fresno State. Mikey Keene was in an offense that did not work for him under Gus Malzahn. He filled in for John Reese Plumley. He can't run, and you got to run to be able to run the Gus Malzahn offense. He's over in Fresno. He's he's dropping back. He's making multiple reads. Uh, I like what I'm seeing out of Mikey Keene. I think this pass offense for Fresno is legitimate. It is a real live offense. I'm already getting excited for Fresno Air Force in the Mountain West Championship, just because I think Fresno is that good this season. I have them at 20th in EPA per play margin, 31st uh, overall in, in offense, 20th on defense. You've got a future on Fresno? Air Force. I've got a oh, nice. Mountain West yeah. future on Air Force that I, I will, if it's Air Force, Fresno State, I will find a way to hedge. I don't know who would be favored, but I'll find a way to hedge and enjoy that game. I, I love the idea of an Air Force, Fresno State, Mountain West yeah. Championship. And, and we're realistically, we're blessed this weekend because we have Fresno State, Wyoming, and we have uh, Louisiana and Texas State, two legitimately very, very, very good G5 games. But I'm going to have a play here on Fresno. I like this passing offense. I think it's for real. 24th in EPA per pass. Uh, Fres uh, Wyoming, excuse me, is 74th in EPA per pass, 93rd in EPA per rush on defense. Teams are rushing uh, one percentage point less on average against Wyoming here. So really opportunities to um, kind of exploit that. And the weather in the mountains isn't bad enough for me to think, hey, that's going to be the biggest factor as well. I think this Wyoming defense is really struggling. This Wyoming offense can't move the ball very well. They're rushing a lot, but they're not very dimensional at all. And I, I, I think if this game was maybe three weeks later, I'd start to worry about Mikey Keene getting cold hands and what the California kid would be able to do up there in Laramie. But here, um, I think they're extremely legitimate. I have this by double digits just because of the passing ceiling that Fresno has here. So I'm going to go ahead and ride with the Bulldogs on the road as a favorite as my um, as my final pick. I believe that is minus five and a half, minus 110 at DraftKings right now. 
That has been a, a pretty widely discussed line, and I hadn't come to a decision on it. But to hear you say you see this as double digits, I'm going to have to bear down and study it a little bit more tonight. Your word obviously carries a little bit, a little bit, just like an ounce of weight here. I'm going to have to see if I can get behind you on that one. I, I like hearing it when you're that convicted on one. Yeah, I, I, it, this is, again, I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot, man. But this is one of those where I feel pretty good about what, what Mike King can do. And coupled with the fact, like I said, it's nippy, but it's not cold yet. And I don't think that's going to be as big of a factor as it would be. I think Fresno wishes, or excuse me, uh, Wyoming wishes this game was playing in uh, like the Thanksgiving weekend. I think they'd feel a lot better about it. So I like the spot here for Fresno a whole bunch. That's that's a fun, that's a high quality group five game. Let me close us out with a sicko group of five game, a rather oh, gross group of five game. Uh, let's get weird. Let's, you know, uh, you hear me say fade this team, fade that team. That's because every Saturday, one of my notes is just fade this team. And I go back and I check why, but it's my way of remembering, oh, something happened in this game. BYU, for example, the, the fluke scores last week to get by Cincinnati. It's like, okay, fade BYU. And I look into it. This week's notes were fade Southern Mississippi. And it's it's because it's such a defensive debacle. You can't give up 44 points at Arkansas State. You can't give up 50 points to Texas State and expect me to ever want to do anything with you again. One of the harshest lines I've written so far this week is name one thing UConn does better than terribly. UConn defends the run. Okay. I'm not sure there is an answer to name one thing Southern Mississippi does better than terribly. It is favored in this game. And that makes no sense to me because it's, it's, Defense is falling apart. There's nothing this team does well. Like, literally, you look at the old Parker Fleming graph, it's all red, and red is bad. So I'm going to take the Old Dominion money line. This game's available short of a field goal. Give me the money line, plus 110 at our favorite book, Bet River Sugar House. They give us these great odds, and I'm just betting on Old Dominion to have one ounce of competency. It, it has a decent rush defense, and that rush defense really shows up when it matters most, giving up only two Oh, where was it now? Giving up only thir three points per quality drive. That alone gives me enough incentive in Old Dominion at value with this money line. I like it. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And again, the part of this is the process. Look at the numbers, find an edge. And when those align, you got to make a move there. So that's a, um, that one is, I, makes a ton of sense. I don't love, I don't love betting on Old Dominion, but I think in the spot, it does make, uh, make a ton of sense for for what you could play there. Um, Parker, before oh, we man. get out of here, let's oh, yeah. let's real quick twenty thirty seconds each. We had uh, was it was it Wesley asked fading Oklahoma State. They've got Kansas State on a weeknight. I think it is right. Uh, yes, Friday night. Um, I I had this at eleven. I'm not sure where it is right now, but uh, I think I, I think it was like 12, 11 and a half, and that's that's right about where I had it. I really don't like betting against Gundy at home. Um, is really what it comes down to. I know they're bad this year. Maybe I'm leaving money on the table with that, but I really am not. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I love, yeah, betting 11 and a half when I have it right there at 11 and a half. So I, I can understand it, but I, I don't think that I have a lot of value on Kansas State this weekend. We had Dusk ask, is Arkansas quitting on Sam Pittman this weekend? Dusk, I was talking to a drinking buddy who lives in Arkansas, and he pointed out to me that Sam Pittman's contract buyout falls if he's fired when he's below 500, and he's coming up on that mark. That makes me think Arkansas will rally. Maybe not enough to win this weekend as significant underdogs, but they should 
I, I think he's going to be able to coach them up enough that they aren't quite quitting just yet. And then the last comment I made note of Parker, and maybe this is something just to file away and you can go into it on Twitter at some point. Dylan asked, how do penalties work into your modeling? Um, I generally throw them out. I think there was a time where I was trying to account for like pass interference, but even teams that do it a lot, it really is just a function of passing volume. And I capture that. So like teams that pass more are the ones that are going to induce more pass interference, not on a counting stat standpoint, but I mean like on a rate standpoint, because you're being more aggressive through the air. Um, and that puts defenses in worse positions. So I, I, I'm not, I'm open to the possibility that penalties could be super decisive at extreme margins. I have not found a way to empirically improve my projections by including them. Let me ask one follow-up question just for an understanding standpoint. If, if Notre Dame throws the ball against Louisville, draws a defensive pass interference, moves the ball 15 yards, does that qualify as a successful play on the drop back? Okay. No, it's just thrown out entirely. Yeah, it's not a, not, not a failure, not a success. It's done, not in the data. Yep. Yep. Glad we asked. Now we are we are a little bit over our usual type 45, so let's rapid fire. Sum up our picks. You want to go first with yours? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. I am going to ride this week with uh, Jacksonville State again, plus three and a half as a, as a road dog, minus 110. Uh, you can get that a lot of spots right now. Uh, my second play this week is going to be um, – I'm so confused and I forgot about it. Nebraska, sorry. Uh, Nebraska plus three and a half. Again, road dog with a little bit more than a field goal on the hook there. Uh, that's minus 109 at Bet Rivers. This is just fading Illinois. Um, and then lastly here, I'm going to go with a Fresno State, Mikey Keene, the legitimate Bulldog passing offense in Laramie against Wyoming to cover. I have this one by double digits, like this one a whole lot. What do you got, Douglas? Well, I want to say if you're that worried about that Nebraska pick, feel more worried because I agree with it. Just let that really scare you away here that I'm with you on Nebraska. <laughs> My three picks this week, we're going to start off with Notre Dame Louisville. That was an under 54 and a half. I think the graphic earlier might have mistaken that it's under 54 and a half. Notre Dame Louisville. Louisville's offense is too explosive play dependent. Notre Dame's defense is too disciplined. I've got Iowa by two and a half against Purdue. There's been an overreaction to Cade McNamara's injury. I'm just going to take that value and enjoy Iowa by less than a field goal at home. And take the two and a half, not the one and a half. The juiced one and a half is less value. And then to close it out, I'm going to get weird. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to take Old Dominion to win outright on the road at Southern Mississippi, plus 110. Uh, it, it's a little weird. It's a little sick, but sometimes that's valuable. Um, yeah, I think that is um, – it makes makes a ton of sense there. And, and again, fading bad teams is, is certainly a strategy. Uh, Douglas, I want to remind everyone and make sure that they uh, – oh, a cut in for producer Jacob. What's up? Uh, I want to make sure that we, uh, everyone goes and likes the video, hit the books HQ. You can get condition powers there a couple times a week. If you're into that as well, great stuff over there. Make sure you're subscribed. Um, and, uh, and thank you for watching. You can follow Douglas on Twitter at D underscore farmer. I'm on Twitter at stats of war. Other than that, we'll be here next Tuesday.